You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. As we've said before, on many occasions at this stage, if you give a normal crazy person an inch, they will take the proverbial mile. We've talked about this before in the context of the bad behavior of people and how little bad behaviors let go, turn into big bad behaviors. How some inappropriate carry on at the outset leads to things like conflict and bullying because it wasn't nipped in the bud. But there's a normal crazy person inside you. It's a normal crazy person inside me. And we give them an inch every day. And therefore, it should come as no surprise to any of us when we find ourselves being hounded by this normal crazy person, otherwise known as the conceptual self. The conceptual self, if you remember, is the person who you think you are. <laughs> the, the hint about what it is is actually in the name, isn't it? It's a bundle of concepts. It's a bundle of concepts that we learned when we had no filter so that we couldn't filter out the stuff that was bad for us. Hence, you know, the conceptual self trips us up. The conceptual self sabotages us. But most fundamentally, the conceptual self divorces us from the reality of the here and now. And when you're divorced from the reality of the here and now, it's impossible to live your life at all. Never mind live your life to the full. We give this conceptual self an inch every day, or perhaps many times a day. Let me explain. As we know, the conceptual self is facilitated by your automatic pilot. The automatic pilot runs the programs which I referred a moment ago, the stuff that you learned when you were young and impressionable, when you didn't have the filter. And when we meditate, we disengage the automatic pilot. But that isn't wholly true because you use your automatic pilot for stuff every single day. If you didn't use your automatic pilot for stuff every single day, you'd be lost in a wilderness of wondering. You'd look in the mirror and wonder who you are. You'd sit behind the steering wheel of a car and wonder to yourself what this weird-shaped object is. You wouldn't even know it was round. You see, we use our automatic pilot every day for things as mundane as tying our shoelaces. Eating, drinking, walking. And every time we use our automatic pilot, it leaves a chink of the door open for all the other stuff that the automatic pilot feeds into our cognitive appraisal system every day, the stuff that feeds the person who isn't there, the conceptual self, your imaginary self. That is why, as I said a minute ago, it should come as no surprise that we stumble regularly because Again, to go back to the start of this podcast, give this guy or girl an inch and they will take a mile. Open the door even slightly to them and they'll put their foot in the door and stick it open. And then when you least expect it, they'll creep up on you 
and you'll find yourself sabotaging yourself or you'll find yourself off thinking some random thoughts that have nothing to do with reality at all. When we fall, and now we understand the inevitability of that fall, when we fall, we need to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and start all over again. I recollect a conversation with a client. It must be 20 years ago at this stage. It could be longer. Somebody with whom I'm still in contact. And I recollect one of our earlier conversations when he said, but I could fall 60 times during the course of a day because there's so many nows in the day. Of course you could fall 60 times during the course of an ordinary every day. Are you saying to me that I have to pick myself up 60 times? And I said to him, possibly more than that, because the more you pick yourself up, eventually the less you'll fall. We need to, as I said a minute ago, pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, press the reset button and start over. You know what your conceptual self is like. Actually, you think you know what your conceptual self is like. There's a whole bundle of thinking going on. You think about who you think you are and you think about whether who you think you are thinks it would be able to cope with the situations that you think you're faced with today. There's so much thinking going on and it always starts with the automatic pilot allowing that door open. That's why I said we need to keep ourselves reminded. We need to keep ourselves aware. We need, if we fall 60 times a day, we need to pick ourselves up maybe 70 or 80 times a day. Now, people have all kinds of different ways of reminding themselves. People have all kinds of different tactics, I suppose, to bring themselves back to the here and now, to press that reset button that I was talking about a minute ago. I've used the analogy before of clouds, that your thoughts, and, and, and by the way, when I talk about thoughts, I'm talking about the thoughts that hold you back, the ingrained thoughts, the thoughts that actually amount to beliefs as to who you think you are, the thoughts that give you your perceived misgivings about yourself, the thoughts that sabotage yourself, the thoughts that stop you doing what you know you need to do to move forward in your life because you think that what you have to do would be brave or courageous, that, that you'd need to be somebody other than who you think you are. That's what I mean when I'm talking about these thoughts. I've used the analogy before of clouds floating through the sky and that in actual fact, reality is like a clear blue sky with the sun shining brightly. The reality of your life when lived to the full is full of that light and brightness of that clear blue sky. And yet every day, our thinking mind aided and abetted by our automatic pilot, shoots little clouds that scud across this clear blue sky. And those thoughts are nothing. They'll float from one side of the sky to the other and disappear in the same way as they appeared randomly in the first place when you give them none of your attention. As we've said before, a thought without your attention is a nothing. That's what I mean by, by that. But unfortunately, when we're using our automatic pilot, our conceptual self will latch on to some of those thoughts. So instead of the little white fluffy clouds scudding across that clear blue sky, you will find that one or two or 20 or 10,000 of them will stop right above your head. 
and the more attention you give to them, the bigger those clouds get, and then the darker they get, and then they rain on your day. And that is your version of reality. When we meditate, we let the clouds pass by. Hold that thought for a minute. Various other people, as I said a minute ago, have different ways or different tactics or different analogies for those thoughts scudding across the clear blue sky. Again, I recollect a conversation with a client many years ago who said that he always kept his baseball bat, his imaginary baseball bat, by his side so that when one of those thoughts fell from the sky towards him to ruin his day, he'd whack it out of the park. Now, as I said to him, that actually suggests that you need to use energy and effort and attention to whack that thought away. But the thought doesn't actually exist. So I actually prefer an even better analogy that I heard from a client, uh, an online program owner, very recently. She explained in one of our Zoom conversations recently that she views these thoughts that come across her field of perception or awareness, like the bubbles the children blow, you know, out of the little bottles of bubbles. And it's a really good analogy because these bubbles are childish. Now, they're not childlike. We've covered that before. They're childish. They're rubbish. They're nothing. And it means that she can laugh at the good of these thoughts coming into her head at all and then say to herself, well, you're going to pop, aren't you? And then you'll be no more. It's a wonderful analogy. And it actually sums up a couple of different aspects of the thoughts that hold us back. Number one, they are thoughts from our childhood. They actually are childish. Number two, the childishness of it all disarms them. And the bubble is a wonderful analogy, isn't it? It just pops and isn't. And yet, because we use the normal crazy person in our own head every day to tie our shoelaces, as I said earlier on, and because that gives some traction to the normal crazy mind and the conceptual self, those bubbles are going to fly across our field of perception regularly throughout the course of the day. That's an interesting conversation with a client recently, a couple of weeks ago, where he was faced with a particularly challenging situation in the work that he's doing at the moment. And he said to me, I meditate in the morning. I meditate every morning. I disengage my automatic pilot every morning. And then I go to work. And then I look at the mayhem around me. And I look at the normal crazy people I'm trying to herd into some kind of shape. He said, it's like herding cats. And I lose it and I suddenly find myself giving credence to and energy to the thoughts that I thought held me back years ago. I recollected actually to him, as he mentioned that to me in this recent conversation, a conversation that we'd had maybe five years ago when he said he was really successful in his career at the time and he was afraid that somewhere along the way he'd be found out imposter syndrome i suppose is the modern terminology for it he was afraid that somebody would find him out because it went all the way back to his childhood when obviously he'd been found out doing something that he shouldn't have been doing i never asked i don't need to know the details You'll recollect from our previous conversations that whatever happened to you in your childhood, it's past. And you don't need to know 
why you are how you think you are. You don't need to know who did what to you or who you thought did what you thought they did to you when you were young and impressionable. You don't need to figure out the triggers that nowadays trigger the bad behaviours from the thoughts that you think are holding you back. You need to know none of that. All you need to do is train yourself to be present and then those bubbles burst. But I was having this conversation with this chap and he said to me, it's like I, I've gone back 15, 20 years. He said, in fact, it's ludicrous. He said, I almost laugh at the bad of it rather than the good of it when some of these thoughts come into my consciousness. And I said to him, isn't this a classic example of that person that you think is there, the guy who isn't there in your own head, this bundle of concepts, this conceptual self, taking advantage of the fact that, first of all, you're surrounded by normal, crazy people. And we said a few weeks ago how you need to arm yourself to, to ensure that that doesn't impact on your ability to flow through your day. And secondly, Obviously, by virtue of the fact that he drives to work, he's used his automatic pilot to drive his automatic car, as it turns out, allowing the door stay open, allowing a chink of light into the dark cellar in which these thoughts are stored, literally at the back of your brain. And I said to him, meditation every morning has changed your life. When was the last time you had one of these thoughts? He said it was 15, 20 years ago. He said, I know we talked about it five or six years ago, but actually it was 15, 20 years ago when I felt it in the pit of my stomach. Now, let's, let's take that aside for just a minute. Because when we have a thought that gives rise to, say, a little bit of anxiety or frustration or panic or stress in our in our heads that releases stuff into our physical system and that results in you getting that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach it's a physical thing now we know that from all the research that has been done in relation to what stress does to the body stress as we know from previous conversations will kill you and it'll kill you slowly it's a bit like you are a frog being put in water who is gradually boiled, the gradual nature of it means that he doesn't realise that he's on a slippery slope to death's door. That's the same with low-level everyday background stress. So when he explained to me that he hadn't really had a thought like this that gave rise to that feeling in the pit of his stomach for about 15 years, it meant that we needed not to go back to basics because he hadn't had one of these thoughts, one of these physical thoughts, if I can put it like that, with the physical reaction, for many, many years. And yet when it hit him, it hit him as if he'd never not had that thought before, on the one hand. But on the other hand, because it was so foreign to him at this stage, he actually couldn't help but laugh at the thoughts that came into his head. I said to him, I've been meditating since 1992. 30 years. I've been teaching this stuff since 1996. And last March, 12 months, I had a special offer for my online program because I was 25 years in business at the time. It was a 25th anniversary, once off special offer. And I was getting people signing up 
not by the lorry load. I mean, I'm only a small business touching a few people's lives, but I was getting loads of people signing up. And it was going so well, I actually had a thought that I hadn't had since I was about 18. And the thought was, God, this is going so well. Something terrible is obviously about to happen. And it was so bizarre because I hadn't thought it in all those years, that all I could do was laugh at it. The bubble burst with the laughter. Uh, and the reason I tell you that story is that, as I say, I've been meditating for 30 years, and still you will be caught off your guard by the person who hasn't fully gone away. Now, the person is imaginary in the first place, but that's beside the point. He or she feels very real to you. He or she has been your travelling companion that got you to where you are at this stage. Now, what got you to where you are at this stage is not going to get you to where you want to go. And that's why we're even talking, isn't it? That's why we're exploring why and how we need to ensure that we keep ourselves on our toes so that when we do fall over 60 times every day, we pick ourselves up many more times. Every time you pick yourself up, you are encouraging yourself to pick yourself up quicker to the point where eventually your automatic pilot, yes, the same automatic pilot, will pick you up for you. How do we pick ourselves up? Well, first of all, as I said to my friend, I said, you need to remind yourself moment to moment during the course of the day of the paramount importance of being present. Even realizing that you're not present, in other words, having one of these thoughts or having any thought, for example, oh, it's Wednesday, I wish it was Saturday. Now, there's a useless thought because it won't change the day of the week. Having any of those thoughts like that is an opportunity for you to realize that you're having one of those thoughts. Because when you realize you're having one of those thoughts, that is awareness. It is self-awareness. It is a realization it will take you on the road to self-realization, to enable you to live the life that you would love to live effortlessly. So that's the other point. People tie themselves in knots when they realize that they're thinking useless thoughts, which of course is thinking more useless thoughts, which is feeding the beast even more. No, you need to be thankful to your useless thoughts because they provide you with an opportunity for you to remind yourself of the importance of being present and they provide you with an opportunity to practice your ability to be present. How do we be present? Well we know that meditation is the foundation and the cornerstone. If you're not meditating regularly in the morning you're setting yourself up for failure. It's as simple as that. You know, I talked to somebody a couple of days ago in relation to a particular challenge she has at this point in her life. And I said, are you meditating every day? Almost, she said. I said, you're letting yourself down. You need to meditate every day. Why would you not take seven or eight minutes out of 24 hours every day to strengthen the foundation, solidify the cornerstone? So when we meditate, we build that foundation. And I actually mean build because we construct new pathways in our brain. We widen the pathways that are already there. We effectively provide ourselves with a whole new, wholly newly fitted brain that will enable us effortlessly live the life that we want to live as long as we keep reminding ourselves to be present.
So even noticing that you're not present is awareness, and that's cool. Stopping yourself during the course of the day to reflect on how you are or what you're thinking at that moment in time is a wonderful practice to ensure that you notice whether or not you're present during the course of the day, which of course will make you present. The realization that you're not present brings you into the presence of the moment. Unless, as I said a minute ago, you say, oh, damn it, I'm not present. And then you go off feeling guilty about yourself or saying to yourself, I wonder how much time I've wasted today or why am I thinking that thought? You don't go there at all. What you do is come back into the present moment. Now, mini meditations are great. Those of you who are online program owners know that a mini meditation takes less than 120 seconds. Those of you who indeed own my app know that a mini meditation takes less than 120 seconds. I provide mini meditations to the people who use my services and they are provided for any and every occasion. So, for example, there are mini meditations that you might do uh, that these would be the 20 out of 80 over and above the 60 that you need to do when you've fallen over. In other words, this is something that you decide to do without having fallen over. So, for example, one of the mini meditations is called a moment of peace. Another one is called something along the lines of catching my breath or taking a breather. But there are other mini meditations in there like now I'm really off. I didn't say that out loud. Or I'm seriously frustrated. Or I need to deal with this situation. They are obviously mini meditations that you use when you have fallen over. But the curious thing is, no, it actually isn't curious, I'll explain why in a minute. But the curious thing is that when you start mini meditating, you get to the point that you don't need to mini meditate anymore because your, your reconstructed brain does it for you. And that's how it works. Because the more you develop these neural pathways in the brain, the more you build novel neural pathways in the brain, the more your neural traffic travels down those neural pathways, and the more, even using your automatic pilot, your brain will begin to behave in a completely novel way completely new way. You are making yourself different from the masses of normal crazy people. Now, that is not to say that you need to give yourself a pat on the back. And as somebody said to me recently, it sounds as if you're saying we should look down on normal crazy people. No. Through your presence, you raise the presence of others around you too. It's like the old analogy, you know, you shouldn't help anybody else with their oxygen mask until you've put yours on first. It's the same principle. The more present I am, the more my presence will rub off on those around us. It'll particularly rub off on those people to whom I am closest and who are most open to raising their game. Sadly, there are an awful lot of people in life who are happy, happy not living, happy letting their lives pass them by. When I do what it takes, when you do what it takes, to increase the number of nows during the course of the day that you are present. Ultimately, the number of nows where you're present will outnumber the number of nows when you're not present. 
and ultimately that will grow to perhaps a tipping point where you are present nearly all of the time every day. That enables us meet life head on. Embrace life. Embrace the good, the bad and the ugly. As I said to somebody recently who was saying, how can I write a perfect moment? And you may recollect from previous conversations, indeed, the, in last week's podcast, where we talked about perfect moments and how we set our minds to go and get those perfect moments for us. This guy was saying to me, how can I even think about setting my mind to a perfect moment when I'm confronted with, with such everyday challenges? I said to him, when you overcome one of those challenges, is there any satisfaction in overcoming it? He said, of course there is. I asked him, is it possible that an imperfect moment is transformed into a perfect moment by you meeting that challenge head on? He said, of course, you're right. When we are present, we stop prevaricating. We stop procrastinating. We stop tripping ourselves up and knocking ourselves off our chosen path forward. When we are present, we just do what we need to do. And very often, we do it effortlessly and always, always, listen to this, always, we do it without thinking about it. It's the thinking about it that leads to the prevarication and to the procrastination and ultimately to the annoyance with ourselves and the frustration and the guilt that is the downward spiral that leads to us falling 60 times a day. Nobody will ever say to you, that because you have developed your focus and your presence, or your mindfulness, if you want to call it that, you're not going to have any more stress in your life, or there isn't going to be any more crap in your life. Now, if anybody does tell you that, they're liars. What I'm saying to you is that the more present we become, the more effortless anything and everything that we have to do becomes, to the point where, as I said a moment ago, we transform what are apparently imperfect moments, the challenges and everyday ups and downs of this life, into perfect moments. And you know what? That builds on the fact that we have picked ourselves up during the course of the day. It builds as a result of us confirming to ourselves that we can achieve and we can achieve effortlessly. And it encourages us to take the next steps. And we always need to be taking the next steps because the more we understand about who we actually are, which is a world removed from the conceptual self that had us hoodwinked into thinking we were somebody else. The more we begin to understand our own potential, the more we realize that there's so much more to our potential that we haven't even begun to understand that we could realize at this moment in time. This life of ours is a swashbuckling adventure. You need to get out there every day. And when you fall off your horse, you need to hop up back on the horse again and buckle your swash. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie.com 